You know we love staying connected. From current events to drama and celebrity gossip, we stay in the know. But it can be hard to keep up when your Wi-Fi cuts out around the house. You know, spotty in one room, but strong in the other. Thankfully, the next generation Xfinity 10G network can help by keeping you connected to everything you love with reliable wall-to-wall Wi-Fi. That means you can stay up to date on all the latest buzz in real time from room to room. Start listening to your favorite podcasts in the kitchen and listen all over the house as you put your laundry away. Better yet, the whole family can work, stream, and play on multiple devices, all with a fast and reliable connection. With the next generation Xfinity 10G network, your entire house can keep up with all the action with less buffering. Get it all from the network made for streaming, the Xfinity 10G network. So many of us love coffee. Mm-hmm. Like the living for it type of love. Some like it hot, some like it iced with a splash of creamer, and some like it with a cold foam topping. Many of us stop into coffee shops on our way to work more often than we'd like to admit. Oh, yes. But now, thanks to International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, you can make cold foam coffee at home. It's honestly game-changing. You can just shake the canister and spray it onto your coffee. And voila, you've got an incredible cold foam coffee at home. No frothing, fancy machines, or mess required. Ooh, an International Delight Cold Foam Creamer foams and creams your coffee from top to bottom. And the best part, mm-hmm. it works on both hot and iced coffees. Oh my gosh, I'm drooling. Okay, so it comes in three foaming delicious flavors. French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato. So you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at the grocery store. And be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. Okay, Bree, so what reminds you of college days? French vanilla. I mean, Bree and I lived on International Delight French Vanilla. And you know what's the cutest thing? Is every time our dad comes to visit... He calls me because I always be like, what do you want me to get the grocery store? And he's like, oh, make sure to get, it's always International Delight French Vanilla Creamer because I can't have it without my coffee. So guess what I'm getting my dad when he comes to visit because I know I'm going to love it. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. French vanilla, of course. You guys, this is a game changer. Okay. How many of us spend too much money at coffee shops? Me. Me. Yes. And we deserve as human beings, to have that yummy, delicious coffee Why we all go to the coffee shops. And I'll be honest, I've kind of always wanted to be a barista, and now I can in my kitchen at my home. I'm really excited to have this, and I can't wait to hear what Dad thinks. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. What up, everyone? Welcome back to the Bella's Podcast. All right, you guys, if you're listening to this, there's some exciting news on the horizon. I can't believe I'm almost a mom. Oh, my gosh. Either can I. Plus, we have an amazing guest, happiness expert Gretchen Rubin. Ooh, all right. Here we go.
Happy hump day, Bella Army. I'm Nicole. And I'm Brie, and this is the Bella's Podcast. Oh my goodness, Brie, is there not just so much on your mind? Because we are getting so close to labor. Oh boy. Or for me, maybe a girl too. Who knows? But you know what that means? It's time for opening up. So let's pop that bottle. Okay, everyone. So today we are opening up with the Citrus Cooler. And you know what I really like about this drink? Is they say it's good for mamas and kids. So it's like kind of a pregnancy mocktail in a way. So it's a drink for us two and Birdie is what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. We get our grapefruit in or orange or lime or lemon, even some honey. Oh my gosh. How exciting is that? (laughs) And I think what else is exciting is that next week, you guys, we are going to bring you some big news, which we're really excited about. Ooh, is this baby updates? Like, they're in the world baby updates? Yeah, like you might hear our voices not as excited because they'll sound very, very tired. Or you might hear crying in the background. (laughs) We might be (laughs) crying. Crying of happiness, crying of tiredness. Well, I was talking about our babies, but maybe we'll all be crying together. Everyone's going to be crying. (laughs) Well, speaking of crying, Nicole... (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Something I would like to just kind of chit-chat with you about, because here we are. We are almost giving birth. It's pretty scary. Any moment now. And I want to know, what are your biggest fears, Nicole, and what are you most excited about? Because this is the first time that you're doing it, but also it's something you've been wanting for so long. Oh, that's a really good question. Well, you know, fears of mine are that uh, my biggest fear would be that labor doesn't go exactly how I've been meditating it to be and envisioning it. And so that's always scary to me. And, you know, just what's going on in the world. I just am praying that the hospitals are okay and Artem gets to be by my side. And like, you know, maybe there's this hope that family like you can be there after I have my little boy. But I have to say, I am so insanely excited to meet him. I have this vision because of like our ultrasounds of what he looks like, but I know it's always different. Like you've told me it's not exactly obviously the same. And, and I just can't wait to like, I'm going to birth this baby and then he's going to be in my arms and how we're going to look at each other. The feeling that you and every mom has described of like a love that you have never felt before, like to feel that, like I've been telling Artem, I am like so anxious for birth because it's like Christmas day. If I was like six years old, like (laughs) Santa's coming to town soon, you guys, I can't wait. I can't wait to have that feeling. And then of course I know I'm already scared because of what you've said about that first drive home. So it's weird because I already could tell the roller coaster ride you all go on. Like you're scared about labor. Then labor's the most beautiful thing, out, you know, when your baby comes, then you drive home and you're really scared. But then once you get the hang of it, you're like, this is beautiful. This is why we do what we do. You're like, this is why I was put on planet earth. So I'm just, I'm ready for this roller coaster ride of being a mom. I'm excited yeah. and I'm excited to be a mom. I'm going to be somebody mom. And it's crazy because think of how you felt when Birdie was born and just how you think about Birdie now. Like this is your own child. It's not going to be your niece. It's not going to be your nephew. (sighs) It's your own. So imagine just the love you're going to feel is going to be times a thousand. I know. Which is probably hard for you to imagine. It is hard for me to imagine because... Birdie keeps me up at night. I don't think I pray harder for anyone else in the world besides Birdie. So imagine when your little one comes. You know, I have to say my biggest fears is that um, I'm 
I've just been used to loving one child, giving one child Mm -hmm. all the attention. Um, Birdie's my world and she knows it. She knows Mm -hmm. like this is Birdie's world. We're all just living in it. And I know a lot of people will say this, but like, you're like, how do I love two kids the same? And how do I, you know, split the attention? And then here Birdie's three years old and all she's ever known is all of us giving her this attention. Now her world's about to get right. rocked, not only by a sibling coming into her life, but then a nephew because she gets all of your and Artem's attention. Yeah. And so my biggest fears is just how is Birdie going to adapt? Mm-hmm. Um, how am I going to adapt? And like, you know, everything people say, you get the hang of it, you figure it out. But um, I'm really nervous for that. And then what I'm excited for is just to see my family grow. I think too, because of this pandemic, my daughter is like not played with any kids. And I think she thinks they're aliens now or someone took all the kids off the planet mm-hmm. and she's on on a big search for them. But I think um, for Birdie to have a playmate for life, like yeah. look at us. And, you know, even with JJ, like think of when we were little kids and how we would play house and grocery store, which by the right. way, you guys, my sister always was the checkout person. When we played restaurants, she always had to be the waitress. That's right. I had she all the boss positions. <laughs> made my brother and I like she was always the one designating no, see, everyone's. You look positions. at it the wrong way. I just had this entrepreneurial spirit at a very young age. <laughs> so I took charge. Well, I have a feeling Birdie's gonna be the same with her sibling. But I'm excited to see that, that interaction, just just to know that Birdie's gonna have like a partner in crime now 24 seven. I agree. And so that makes me excited. Oh, I, I love know. that. Well, and you know, before we bring on our guests, because we have an incredible guest for we you do. all today, I'm very excited about having her on the podcast, but before we bring her on, Bria, I just want to know what are your goals for year one? Ooh. So as a mom, my goals, because let's Ooh, just this talk citrus about... cooler's going down. Whoa, I'm getting a little buzzed. Uh, it's that honey. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, for my family is just, you know, I think this whole time in our pandemic, I know I keep going back to the pandemic, but quarantine has taught me a lot. And I feel like all of you... I don't know, maybe not for everyone, but I've definitely felt a shift. And, you know, Brian, I constantly say, why don't we start doing what fulfills us and fulfills us as a family? Mm -hmm. I think you and I both have been used to being workaholics. Mm -hmm. Um, Even Brian on the road every week, we've all been used to just such crazy lifestyles and chaos that I'm ready to slow down and really concentrate on my family, put them first and start to do the things that fulfill my heart. I'm always that person who's like, well, in five years, well, guess what? I'm almost 37 years old. So when is the five years? Yeah. So I'm ready to stop saying, well, in five years and start saying within this year, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not waiting till the five year mark anymore. I, you know what? I love that. And, you know, I have to say that I'm very similar my goals for year one is to focus on being the best mom that I can be to putting my son first, whether it's how can I keep breastfeeding and is that the best for him? Um, learn about vaccines, um, schools, what helps him grow, what keeps him safe. Like I'm going to make that such a focus in my life, especially because I am such a career woman. And I'm also going to make sure, though, at the same time, my goals for year one is that I'm making me time 
even in the beginning. So I know that I stay a happy, healthy mom. Like I have goals of, you know, wanting to get my body back in, in a very healthy way. And keeping meditation and just like I've been doing with him right now in my womb, we keep going with that. Um, and just learning to educate. Like I see what Brian does with Birdie and I want Artem and I to do the same because Birdie's such an intelligent little girl and it's just making the, that extra time. So that's like my goals for year one. I love that, Nicole. Thank and I, you. And it's weird, you guys, for me because my sister's goals have always been like business about business, business, business. And it's so weird to hear her just talk all about a kid. Yeah. Um, I never thought I'd hear that. So I love that. And these these love kicks in the womb change you. (laughs) Right. So let's see if that happens. But I'm so excited to bring on our next guest because like a lot of you, I went through a really big breakup before I met Brian with someone I thought I was going to marry. And we had this great relationship. We broke up. I packed my stuff. And within two weeks, I moved to New York City. And the first book I bought was called The Happiness Project because I was like, you know what? I'm feeling really, really down right now, but I know I made the right decision. I just need someone to keep telling me I made the right decision because like, my heart hurts so bad. And so I bought Gretchen Rubin's book. Her book changed my life. And it made my two years in New York some of the greatest times as a single woman. I actually felt like I'm, I went from a young girl to a woman. And the one thing I like about New York is it really taught me, too, how to stand up for myself and use my voice. But um, I can't believe she's on the podcast. So we are going to bring on Gretchen Rubin, who is, I will definitely say, and I could attest to this, the happiness expert. Texas Pete is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. That's right. Each Texas Pete sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. The signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It has been at the center of dinner tables since 1929 and is still heating things up today. Oh yeah, and you know, you're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor. Yum. And their dust dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Mm, it's just making my mouth water thinking about it. I mean, I'm always reaching for the Texas Pete. I think we put it on our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we really do. And we actually even sneak hot sauce in our purses. So if restaurants don't have hot sauce, we put it on. Texas Pete goes with me everywhere I go. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit texaspeat.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at texaspeat.com. Thrive Market is a go-to for all of your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online, then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories 
And you could use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Nikki, where do we get all our primal condiments? Thrive Market. You know it. I have actually loved so much that I have been able to transform my refrigerator, even my pantry, to healthy, low-sugar condiments. Everything in the gluten-free, Whole30 diet recommendations... Thrive Market for me is that one-stop shop where I can pick and choose all the things that are healthy for not only my kids, but for myself too. And boom, they're at my front door within days. They definitely make it super easy to stay healthy, organic, all the things that we really want in our household. One thing that Thrive Market has helped me with is I've wanted that when it comes to household cleaning items or just stuff that you actually put in your house besides consuming. And they've really helped it. I had one, one of my goals this year was less plastic in my house. Thrive Market helps with that, with refillables, with what I exactly need to clean. And look, when you have kids running around, having a company really care about the ingredients inside it, that's super important. What we're spraying on our counters, putting in our toilets on our sheets. All of that matters. So grateful for a place like Thrive Market that really looks into ingredients and we know what we're buying. 100%. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash twins for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash twins. Thrivemarket.com slash twins. Warning, things are about to get intense. I mean, Bree and I are talking like that intense moment when the room stops, maybe time stops, when everything might be going around you, but you're looking at that one person dead in the eyes or a maple donut and <laughs> in our eyes. Usually I'm giving that stare down when I want to ask my husband for his credit card so I can go shopping. Ooh, that is the intense that I like. Intense heat, lasting plump. From the hot new Lifter Plump from Maybelline, New York. Formulated with chili pepper, Lifter Plump delivers a heated sensation for an instant lip plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades. Blush, Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and many more. And you know me with that red. Nothing like a red flag on my sizzling lips. Oh, we know it, girl. (laughs) Can you take that heat? Find your shade at Maybelline.com or a retailer near you. Amazon shoppers get 10% off Lifter Plump purchase with code 10PLUMP for a limited time. Hey everyone, we just took the four tendencies quiz and Nikki and I are the same. Obligers, but Gretchen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so happy to be talking to you today and I can't wait to talk about the obliger tendency. Is that what you thought, Gretchen? Yeah, absolutely. As you were answering at first, it wasn't clear. Then it was like, 
bing, 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 bing. But you know, obliger is the biggest tendency for both men and women. So you're in good company. A lot of people in the world are obligers. Oh, wow. So is it because a lot of people want to please other people? So they kind of sacrifice their needs, making sure everyone else is taken care of? That's not exactly what's going on. I think it's that outer expectations are met, but not inner expectations. It's more like who's holding me accountable for it. And so it kind of looks like people pleasing because you see that you're meeting other people's expectations, but you're not meeting your own. But really, once you have a system of outer accountability, then you meet all the expectations. And so you see people like yourselves who are obligers, but there's so much architecture of accountability around them. It's amazing what they can get done. They're unstoppable. But it's when they're trying to hold themselves accountable, that's when sometimes they, you know, it gets to be a challenge. You know, it's crazy because I just feel like being in quarantine, gosh, what has it been? Like three months? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I've actually, I keep telling my husband that I want to really get out of that habit because I feel like that habit's what's made me exhausted. You know, I'll always blame motherhood. I'll always be like, oh, because I'm a mom. I'm just tired. But I told Brian, I'm like, it's way more than that. Like my sister and I, we run three companies. And I think what it is, is I want to make sure everyone else is okay. And, and I work hard. And if someone asks me to do something, even though in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm about to cook dinner for my family. I do it instead of like cooking dinner for my family, I go make sure I do it for them. Then I'll try to race and do dinner. But I was like, that's what makes me tired. It's not just being a mom. But, but, and that's, you put your finger exactly on it. And that's what puzzled me about obligers because it's not that they're lazy or they don't have willpower because they're meeting everyone else's expectations. So it can't be that they, they don't have self-control or they can't do it. Um, so what someone who's an obliger like the two of you should do is create outer accountability. And maybe it's not a spouse or sweetheart because they're too close to us. And maybe it's not the two of you because you're so close. Maybe it's somebody on the outside where they're the ones saying even something that you need to do to take care of yourself. Like I expect you to sit down and put your feet up for an hour every day. And I'm going to be really annoyed with you if you don't do it. And I'm going to check up on you. And so you're like, I got to do this because somebody's counting on me or like someone else gets a benefit if you get a benefit. So you have to keep it up to yourself so they get the benefit for themselves. Do you feel like you see this a lot with women? Because this is, it just popped into my head, but I feel like, especially with our generation, because Brie and I were about to be 37. So I feel like we're still that generation of women where we were raised to meet these outer expectations and our inner expectations were put on the back burner. Because even when you think of our grandparents, how they raised us and they were those women of the fifties, like it was about having food on the table. The children are first. Um, when you go down their list, I don't think I ever heard my grandmother say, what what number she was down her list. It was God first, then your family, work, this, that. And I never heard her say herself. And I feel like it wasn't, you know, till probably the past decade where we've really have empowered each other to start to use our voice. But I feel like that's always my struggle is I have how I was raised from the 50s grandmother and my mom, how she was raised of how women should be, how their men should be. Because, I mean, even me being pregnant, not married, and how I was in my past relationship, I felt like 
people didn't understand where I was coming from because they're like, oh, this wild woman, how dare her? Like she should be married and then have her kids. And so I wonder if that plays a role too on being the obliger. Well, you know what I think it is? I think that both men and women are obligers, but they maybe think about it in a different way or they talk about it in a different way. Because think of the doctor who says, well, of course I have no time to exercise. I give 110% of my patients. I'm always in the hospital. There's no time for me to exercise. Or there's the salesman who's like, I do everything I need to do to make a sale. I'm so hardcore. Like I don't have time to eat right. I'm in my car all the time because I will never miss a sale. This is obliger talk. I don't have time to do things for myself because I'm so busy doing things for other people. But instead of sort of uh, criticizing themselves for doing it, like why am I not able to do these things? They're saying, oh, it's because I'm so hardcore. I'm showing how intense I am, how driven I am. So I think it's the same behavior, but it can be characterized in a different way. And I think that you're absolutely right that kind of culture tells us how to interpret what's happening and puts a spin on it, but then it can come out in different ways or be expressed in different ways, even though at the core of it, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, the doctor analogy was so great to hear because I'm like, oh, yeah, that totally is what happens. Right. So many of us that are workaholics. Yeah. And what do you recommend like when you want to take that step to kind of set boundaries? And even for myself, like it did take a kid for me to kind of tell people like, okay, this is my bath time routine and all that. So if I don't call you back or text you like these are the hours, but I still fall into it. But I guess my biggest thing is I never want to come off rude, right? Or make people be like, dang, she's just high maintenance, which is, that's always what I think in my head. But what is like the first steps that you recommend that seem professional, but that also make it where it becomes a habit? I think exactly the strategy that you hit on um, is an excellent strategy, which is sort of like, I have to say no to you because I need to say yes to someone else. And so this is what my child needs. This is what my family needs. And so therefore I can't meet your expectation because to say yes to someone means saying no to someone else. And so it's up to each of us to decide who gets the yes and who gets the no. So part of it is to identify that. And so you might go through and think to yourself, well, who do I need to say yes to and what's most important for me? And to say like, well, if I do this, then I'm going to have less time for that. Um, and so to really make that trade-off explicit and not just be the, uh, responding in the moment because, you know, somebody asks you to do something and it's an obliger, you just like want to say yes right away and like get on it. Um, but to say, um, well, if I do this with you, that means I'm going to miss this yoga class uh, that I told a friend that I was going to do, and she's going to be really annoyed if I let her down. Like to always think about that trade-off. Nikki and Brie right now want to say yes, but future Nikki and Brie are going to be disappointed if we don't respect our boundaries or think of your duty to be a role model for someone else. Like I want to show other people what it looks like to have good, strong boundaries. And so if I constantly say yes, I'm not going to be showing that kind of behavior. And in fact, what a lot of obligers do is they teach um, if they want to do yoga, they teach yoga because they're like, that's the only way I can get myself to do yoga is if people are like expecting me to teach them um, or they so give true. a course because they're like, well, I'll write an ebook about something. And t- that's the only way I'm going to get the ebook written is if I tell people I'm teaching a course, you know, they create that outer accountability. It's actually so funny that you say that because it's been difficult being pregnant in quarantine and keeping up with my workout. 
working out is such a big part of my life and always has been. My happy place is when I'm working out, I'm sweating, I feel great. It's meditation for me. But I started to tell Brie the only way that I was starting to hold myself accountable to work out was to tell my fan base that I'm doing an IG live workout because then they're going to hold me accountable if I don't show up. And there were times that we were doing it and I was so exhausted, but I'm like, I told them 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so I got to be there. So it's so funny how you say that. No, and this is sort of the thing. Sometimes when people hear about the obliger tendency, they think, well, this means that I can't get anything done and I'm dependent on other people for outer accountability. Obligers can do anything, but and a lot of times they figure out just like you figured it out, even though you didn't know about the vocabulary of the four tendencies framework, you figured it out. You know, you both in your own way figured out, I need to have bedtime for my daughter. I need to have an online workout. This is what's going to allow me to get done what I want to get done. So you figured out, okay, how do I create outer accountability? Turns out there's a lot of ways. Once you realize that's what's worked. Totally. And you know, I used to think that maybe it was us being raised as athletes. So like we're coachable girls. We need to be coached. We would have practice time. We show up. That's, you know, helped us with our drive and wanting championships and the accomplishments that came with it. And it's so molded like our personality of how we work. But I think that's why we succeeded as athletes because being an obliger, it's what we needed to succeed. I actually see that. But it's funny because when I think about my daughter, I'm like, I don't want her to feel handcuffed the way I do to always meeting everyone's expectations and pleasing everyone. But I'm like, she'll probably just see how I run a household and how I am and kind of fall into that. So it's like, I need to kind of take a step back and think like, okay, I would like Birdie to be maybe a little bit more of the rebel right. or, well, you know, do you feel like, do we learn this because how we're raised in what we see, or is it just who we are as people? Because I know I want to get into your podcast because I know like even from happiness, you take it from science to pop culture to all these different areas of finding that. And is that the same way with how we are personality wise or how we see life or how we work? I really do believe that it's it's genetically determined. I think your tendency is part of the kind of what you're hardwired with and what you bring into the world. Of course, culture and upbringing and experience are going to influence how that comes out. But I really do believe that it's something that we're born with. And so I was very interested because I'm like, I've actually never known identical twins to take this quiz before. Oh, I hope they get the same answer because that's my theory. So thank yeah. you for getting the same answer because my, <laughs> my idea is that it isn't so much because if you think of an upbringing, people respond to it in different ways. And so a person of a different tendency, you might think, well, they came out this way because of their circumstances, but in many ways we shape our circumstances. Yeah. So I do, I do think that this is part of what we just bring into the world with us. And I agree with you. And that's why I was like to Brie when she thought we'd be different. I knew we'd be the same because being identical twins, Brie and I, how we view life and our morals and how we see things are identical. I've always seen that. It is true. But that's why I knew we would be the same because think of how we work, the things we enjoy in life, how we travel. Um, I mean, you and I always said we make great roommates because we enjoy how we live. I would love to be an identical twin. I envy you two so much. I just think it sounds like the best thing in the world. It just sounds like a wonderful, intimate relationship that nothing else could, could replace. Uh, it is I true. so agree. It, I feel so blessed being identical twin and being pregnant together. I know that's I mean, so funny. Is that not I couldn't crazy? believe that. And a week and a half apart, we actually, we were laughing just to get a little off subject. We were at our doctor's yesterday and just to find out that our babies could be born the same day. 
Oh, you just, know they will be. I right? know. <laughs> it's just crazy. I to feel us. the same. I feel like they're going to be born the same day. And Brie and I also said we're so lucky because during this pandemic, you can't have a significant other come with you to the doctor's office. But because we're pregnant at the same time and they know we're like in quarantine together, they let us come in together. <gasps> oh, and we see all the other women look at us like, why do they get a friend? Yeah. But we're like, well, we're twins and we're pregnant. Like, this is yeah. so rare. And we live next door to each other. And live like, next door to each do other. Do that and you also can have this. <laughs> so crazy. It is. So something I, I'm dying to ask you because I, I think of just a place like my husband's in right now. And even sometimes I think about with my careers and stuff. But- how was it for you? And when did you decide to switch over from being a lawyer to a writer? Because two different extremes. And my husband always talks about how do I switch over from being a professional wrestler to, you know, a farmer? Like he has all these different things in his head, but he just doesn't know how to do that jump. So I'm curious to know for you when you decided to do that. Well, you know, I know a lot of people who've wanted to make the jump and I really feel like it was a lot easier for me because what happened was that I got an idea for a book that I wanted to write. I wanted to write a book called Power, Money, Fame, Sex, a user's guide. And I, I was just researching it all the time. I was working on it. I was just like, having the most fun with it. So it was easy for me because it wasn't so much I wanted to leave where I was, but I really wanted to go to another place. And I saw exactly what that was. So it was just calling to me. It was almost irresistible. And I think when you feel that call, then it's very clear. Like I thought, well, I'd rather fail as a writer than succeed as a lawyer. So how would I try to be a writer? And then I just kind of like got a book. I literally got a book from the bookstore, like how to write and sell your nonfiction book proposal and follow the directions because I knew what I wanted. I think it's harder when part of it is like the what color is my parachute question where you're trying to figure out, well, what is that thing? When it's not obvious to you right away and you sort of have to experiment and do a lot of self-analysis and maybe try a lot of different things, have a lot of informational interviews maybe go down some dead ends until you land on that thing, which sometimes is not obvious. For me, though, it was very clear that's what I wanted. I didn't even just want to be a writer. I wanted to write a particular book. um, And so that made things a lot clearer. Wow. And I loved how you said that, like, in your heart, it was if you fail as a writer, it's like you you wanted to still do that, which I think is big. And I actually can't wait to say that to Brian to say, like, how do you feel if you fail at it? Like, is it still good for you to take that leap of faith? Well, I mean, I believe that if it's something on your mind, you have to do it, whether you succeed or fail, because then you won't live the rest of your life saying, what if? And I feel like that what if is the absolute worst two words that you could ever live with. Well, and the research backs you up on that because when they look at people who have regrets, people are far more likely to regret things they didn't do or didn't try than things that they did do and did try. And so I think that failure feels very scary when you're looking toward it, but it turns out that in retrospect, it's kind of better, as you say, not to have that what if, but to just think like, well, I tried. Totally, because I I feel like I used to struggle with that because being in the spotlight, it was like, if I fail, it's going to be a headline and people are just going to call me a failure. And then I just started trying things and I got to a point where I was able to laugh it off like, hey, at least I tried it. You wouldn't dare. Like even I I first had to do it with wrestling moves. Like, okay, I want to be a powerhouse. How do I build to be a powerhouse? And there were things I failed at and people would rip on me. I'd be trending worldwide. Like what was Nikki thinking? (laughs) And I'm like, you know, you get in the ring and try what I just tried. I'm actually pretty damn 
impressed with myself. And then when I did Dancing with the Stars, to go out there and dance, I did not want to jive. And I said, Beyonce and J-Lo don't jive. I don't know how my thighs are going to jive, but I'm going to give it a try. And then I got cut after I jived in a witch outfit to a Bette Midler song. I felt like a failure. Kind of felt like a failure going into it. But you know what? I was like, at least I went out there to... 10 million viewers and a live audience and got judged for it. I failed, but I did it. And I actually felt great about myself. I liked your jive. Thanks, sister. (laughs) One thing I remind myself of is um, if I'm not failing, I'm not trying hard enough. And that some people think success is never failing. But actually, as you point out, success is trying so many things that some succeed and some fail. Look at all the things you've done that have been wildly successful. But if you hadn't been willing to fail you probably wouldn't have done any of those things or not nearly as many of them. And so failure is a sign of success because it's the sign of like pushing that boundary. So, I th- but it's hard. It's easier said than done. Amen right. to that though. But when, once you could live by that and do that, I mean, you look at so many open doors and there's just nothing that can stop you from anything. I agree. And so it's definitely something that I want everyone to take in and Definitely before we wrap this up, I we have to get to your podcast. And for our listeners, um, you definitely have to check out Gretchen Rubin's podcast. It's called Happier. And it's actually has been iTunes Best, one of their best podcasts. I would just love to know, one, what was your inspiration to start it? to have the title, the topic, the things that you talk about. I would love to get into that. Uh, Well, you know, I've written about happiness and good habits and human nature for a long time. And as you know, from everything you do, if you want to reach an audience, some people like to read things and some people like to listen and some people like to watch and some people like to look on their phone. And and so if you want to reach an audience, you want to be kind of in all different ways. And also each medium lets you do something different. And so I love the kind of the freedom and the spontaneity and the fun of the podcast form. And I have a sister, I'm super close to my sister. She's five years younger. We are sadly not identical, but um, I thought, oh, I've always wanted to collaborate with my sister and we never had a project. She's also a writer. She's a Hollywood writer. And I thought this is something that we could do together. And sometimes when people talk about happiness, you're like, what is happiness? What is it? What would it look like to be happy? It's the kind of the word just sort of dissolves in your mind, but happier I could get, yeah, would this make me happier? Yeah, this would make me happier. So it's not about happiness. It's about things that can make us happier. So it's very concrete. Elizabeth and I are both kind of very concrete. We want like actual things um, that can work. So uh, it's just fun for us to get the chance to do this once a week together. That is so cool that you do that with your sister. Is there one piece of advice or kind of like a habit you could tell people that they can kind of take in their daily lives to become happier? Because I do feel like, like you said, sometimes people are like, well, happier, what is it? How can I do that? And I didn't know if there's something you can kind of share with our listeners, like one little thing they can take with them today. Well, one thing I would say is, and this conversation is a good example, is like there's no magic one-size-fits-all solution. And just because something works really well for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And you shouldn't beat yourself up and feel like you have no willpower. Well, my husband can get up and run three miles before breakfast every day. Why can't I do that? We can all figure out how to achieve our aim. But sometimes you have to experiment and figure out the right way to set it up for you. And so when people are feeling frustrated, like with temptation, I have an incredible sweet tooth. And some people can have like one square of fine chocolate or half a dish of ice cream. And I'm like, I can't have any. If I have one thin mint cookie, I'm eating the whole sleeve. Um, So for me, abstaining is easier. Just to have none is not hard. But to have one is too, I can't do it. It's too hard. But some people can have one. And so you can have one and I can have none and no one's right and no one's wrong. It's just that 
we're different. And so rather than feeling like, oh gosh, what's wrong with me? Think, huh, how could I do something in a different way? Because a lot of times habits really can make us happier and healthier and more productive and more creative. Oh, I like Gosh. that. I feel Looks like we good. could just, I don't know if you drink wine, but like <laughs> when the babies are out, can we all have wine? Cause yeah. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Oh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> yeah. Like you I answers, loved your and her sister. I and your we sister. We sister all need, powwow. honestly, what you do is truly incredible and just super honored that you came on our podcast and we are going to have everyone take this quiz, by the yes. way, and listen to your podcast. Oh, fun. Well, thanks so much. It was so fun getting to hang out with you virtually, Aww. but I, we're all virtual these days. So exactly. there you go. The way of the world, right? Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gretchen, again, for just coming on and talking to Brie and I truly feel inspired and enlightened. You know what I love about springtime is that you kind of get to refresh your closet. You know, fall, winter, we're all bundled up. And then when spring comes, the sun is truly out. You get to ditch all the layers and just refresh your look. I mean, I feel like I am totally in for like refreshing my wardrobe. Bringing a little color. I need spring shopping. I mean, Brie, Walmart has like some incredible styles out right now and so affordable. Oh, that is right. This spring, there's only one destination for the latest fashion, home and beauty inspired by real life, Walmart. Be it bold swimwear or graphic beach towels, glowy makeup or sleek activewear, or even elevated furniture and mix and match tableware to inspire your next spring gathering at home. Discover surprisingly stylish new season favorites at Walmart now or shop it on the Walmart app. Go to walmart.com slash now trending. That's walmart.com slash now trending. Now trending. Your style at Walmart. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride. Every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code WELCOME to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code WELCOME at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to our segment, Dear Bellas, where we give Bella-style advice to our listeners. Because who needs Abby when you have two Bellas? (laughs) That's right. And here's today's question. Hey guys, this question might actually be for Brie, but Nicole, feel free to jump in. As I'm watching Total Bellas, I'm looking at your eating habits and all of the healthy stuff that you guys sort of make. And I was wondering, how did you really become vegan or vegetarian? What is a yes or no? Do you eat eggs? Do you eat any animal products? And what advice do you have on how to really start out in that lifestyle? Thank you so much. Bye. 
Ooh, that's a really good question. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually so happy to answer this because I feel like sometimes there's a lot of pressure when people want to make these big decisions, whether to go vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, because there's a lot of judgment that can come with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel also there's pressure because people feel like when they make these decisions, they can't make any mistakes or they're going to be called out or judged. So I'm going to tell you my experience with it and also Brian's, and I hope it um, helps. But the day I decided to go vegan, I actually saw a bunch of documentaries, educated myself on factory farming and all these other things and where my food was coming from, even when I thought like, okay, it's free range. I just, I had so much compassion. I still do for animals that I was like, you know what, Brie? Let's just see if we can do it. And I did it slowly because I was like, okay, if I cut it cold turkey, that'll be hard. So I first took out meat, then I took out fish, then I took out all dairy products. And then what I realized is I wasn't the best vegan at first. Um, I think being on the road, it was really tough for me as a wrestler going town to town to be straight up vegan because you start to realize all these different things that are in food and Then I'm living off protein bars and salad and I'm like starving. So then I became a vegetarian. So I allowed myself to eat eggs and cheese and that really helped being on the road. Yeah, because you don't want to put too many preservatives in your body to try to make up for the protein that you lack. Yes. And I'll say if you're home 24-7, being a vegan is so much easier. 100%. There's all these cookbooks. You realize how many different vegetables you can cook with. People always say, well, you're going to lack protein. You're going to lack iron. You're going to lack all these things. No, you're not. If you actually really look how much protein's in broccoli and all different vegetables, how much protein you really need to consume a day, you're not going to be suffering. So when I became a vegetarian, it was easier on me. And then in the last year, I've actually become a pescatarian. So I brought in fish back into my diet. And I just did that simply because... I started traveling a lot again mm-hmm. and for health, I was like, I need to bring a little fish. I'm very selective and I try to not have it at my house, just do it when I go out. But for me, the hardest thing when you do make these decisions and Nicole will see is the judgment that comes with it. Like oh, people gosh. will literally be like, oh, there's an animal product in that. Well, and it's like, all I want to do is save the animals yeah. and help out the environment. Like... All right, if there's a little mistake well, here and people, there. people, what you're going to realize is, and what I've seen with my sister, is people make it political. It's like, it's the way she eats. How has this turned into something political? So be prepared for that because I don't know how being a vegan has become something political. It's like, this is so crazy. And I've seen that with Brie. And like my one thing of just being around vegans, and now I know Brie's a pescatarian and Brian's different, they're very good about keeping themselves healthy. And I've met other vegans who aren't. They just tend to go more to starches or sugars because it doesn't have animal products in it. So what my suggestion would be is to get your blood taken first to see what you lack so at least you can bring that in with vitamins and other stuff because, you know, sometimes all of a sudden we make these really big decisions and it could create problems. Right. I think being vegan's great. I'm not vegan. I do eat meat, but I always make sure the animals were very happy. 
Yeah. You know, I, I'm very picky at where I get my meat and how much I consume it. But I get my blood testing on because I know certain things that I lack and I make up for. So make sure to do that before you and take a lot of things out of your diet. The biggest word in vegan and vegetarian comes from vegetable. I follow these vegan accounts, which I love, but it makes me laugh because they're like, we're so lucky we can eat ice cream and french fries all the time. I'm like, no. The point of no. being a vegan and vegetarian is eat vegetables. Yes. And I will say people are always mind blown because my daughter eats a cucumber a day. Every meal we have, there has to be some type of vegetable. We have more vegetables on our plate than anything else. Yeah. And um, my daughter craves vegetables. And I'm going to give you an example of a day. Now, Brian goes back from being vegan, vegetarian, but he won't do any animal at all unless it's eggs. But he's very selective when he eats eggs. But like this morning, I love soy chorizo and Bertie's obsessed. So I do scrambled eggs with a little soy chorizo with a side of avocado. And then actually for lunch, um, I made Bertie. She had tofu with barbecue sauce, side of peas and sliced cucumber. And I made a cucumber salad. And I love to put a little white wine vinegar with sesame seeds on top. It's so refreshing and just delicious. And then for dinner, I'll do spaghetti squash. And I have some onions, mushrooms, and broccoli in my fridge. So I slice it all up. And I put that in olive oil sauce with some garlic. Let it all roast. I do my spaghetti squash, which I put, I cut in fours. I steam it for 20 minutes. Take it all off. Mix it in with the sauce. And boom. And that's like, for me, a very fulfilling day very healthy and you will not go to bed hungry and you will actually feel really, really good. And my daughter Mm. loves all of that food. And that's the thing is what I've realized about all that. The more veggies, the better you feel. Popeye was onto something. Popeye did spinach, right? Yes. You guys, we got to think like Popeye. Popeye the sailor man. You know what I mean? You got to just chug a lot of water and it's crazy. You could literally take over the world. I agree. Just have fun. Yeah. Like spaghetti squash. There's so many fun substitutes you could do for pasta that I do just to be healthy with calorie wise. I love the zucchini spirals and I love using broccoli or cauliflower rice instead of normal rice. And that is just purely because I want more vegetables and less starchy calories. Right. But it tastes so damn good. And we're just so lucky nowadays that there are so many amazing recipes. Whether you Google, you get a fun cookbook. 100%. And you will be one of the best vegan let me tell you all right well <laughs> you guys if you want a chance to hear from us give us a call at 833-Q-Bellas all right everyone thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast yes and thank you so much Gretchen Rubin for joining us today I love that Nicole and I were twinning on our four tendencies quiz yes we were make sure to tweet us your questions for Bella Army Q&A with the hashtag Bella's podcast and call 833-Q-Bellas to ask us for on-air advice in our segment Dear Bellas please show us some love by rating the show leaving a review and hitting subscribe and we just launched a new Instagram exclusive exclusively dedicated to the Bellas podcast. So make sure to follow us at the Bellas podcast until next week. Remember to stay fearless and you always go Brie mode. If you drink along with us, see you next Wednesday. And as Bertie likes to say, bye bye.
Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 